Welcome again to St. John's. My name's Andrew. I'm the Assistant Minister here. It's great to think about this story with you today. As um, Del said, we're thinking this month about the early years of Jesus. So we thought after Christmas it would be a good idea if we spent some time thinking about what happened next. Uh, what happened to Jesus when, between the time when he was born and the time when he was an adult and he started his ministry as a teacher when he was about 30. And so far we've looked at several stories about when Jesus was a baby uh, and how he went through the normal rituals of Jewish life. His parents took him along showing he was a real uh, boy. Uh, he grew up a normal human being just like us but there was always a sense that he had a special purpose and, um, as the son of God and there was something that was going to be great about him when he grew up. And last week Del spoke to us about the way that Jesus grew in wisdom uh, as he grew up and how we can follow his example in knowing God. Uh, today, as we read, we take a jump forward in time about 12 years uh, to when Jesus was 12 years old and this is a very important time for Jesus because that age was a key transition point for young people in his culture. So if you were 12, you're basically on the cusp of entering into adult life and participation in the adult community. You may know of the custom of the Jewish uh, bar mitzvah when a 13-year-old uh, child um, goes into a celebration and a cer ceremony to be initiated into the adult community. And that tradition hadn't developed in Jesus' day yet, but it was that time of life that he was coming up to. And so if we think about our own culture and as young people grow up in our culture, it's, to be 12 is less like someone going into high school and more like a 17-year-old getting ready for, to turn 18 and to go into adult life. So that's where Jesus is sort of at uh, when we read this story today. So Luke is picking up the story of Jesus' life at a time when we would expect significant things to be happening for him, for him to be uh, starting to see what he's going to be like as a man and for things to be changing for him. And in this story, it's very interesting, we actually hear Jesus speak for the very first time uh, that's recorded. Um, up until now, everyone's been speaking about him or to him, so angels and prophets have been announcing who Jesus was going to be. But in this story, we have Jesus actually speaking for the first time about who he is and what he's going to do. So the story takes place when Mary and Joseph go with their family to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Passover, it's a festival that celebrates the event when the people of Israel were set free from slavery in Egypt in the time of Moses and God had brought them into the Promised Land. And you can read about that in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And so Passover was a very important festival in this community and it's similar to what Easter is like for Christians and um, like what happens at churches at Easter time when lots of people make a special effort to come along to church, um, most Jews would make a special effort to come to Jerusalem uh, to the temple to worship God um, at the time of Passover and as we would expect Mary and Joseph were a, a very religious couple and they brought their children every year uh, to the festival uh, for Passover. But this year things get a bit different in the midst of all these celebrations, they, Mary and Joseph have to deal with what, um, if it turned up on a current affair, what they would call every parent's worst nightmare. Um, you know, your child is lost. <laughs> they can't find him. Jesus goes missing among the, the crowds at the festival. You know, the story is interesting as to read as a parent because we live in a very hands-on parenting um, culture and we like to know where our kids are and if 
um, we probably find Mary and Joseph to be quite relaxed about um, knowing where their son is. Uh, we'd like to know where our kids are at all time. But obviously they expected that things would be okay, other people look after him, so they don't miss him for a whole day. Uh, they assume that as they're going home from Jerusalem, Jesus is coming along with them. But it's only at the end of the first day they realise, no, he's not with us. So they have to go back to Jerusalem to find him. Luckily they do, after a few days of searching, but you can imagine they were pretty, probably pretty frantic by the end of that time. It's three days later, particularly, you know, since they know who Jesus is, you know. Oh no, we've lost God's son. He's going to be so mad. <laughs> uh, so they were very happy, obviously, to find him and fortunately hasn't got himself into any trouble. He's in the temple talking to the religious teachers. So, you know, in the terms of, like, you think of scary trouble that teenagers can get into, um, sitting around at church with wise old men talking about the Bible, pretty low on the scale of things that you worry about your, your teenager getting into. So, Jesus is safe, and he's not only safe, he's actually doing very well. People are really impressed um, with his ability to understand the Bible and to discuss it uh, for such a young person. Uh, so, but Mary's still a bit exasperated, as you'd expect her to be, and so she wants to know why he's done this. And so this is where Jesus speaks for the first time in the Gospels. Um, he says, why were you searching for me? Uh, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So uh, in the rest of this sermon, I'm going to try and think, what does it mean for Jesus to say that? Um, what does it mean for us? Uh, it's not immediately obvious as we read, Mary and Joseph didn't really understand what was going on and Mary meditated on it for a long time before she understood. Um, but I think if we want to get a look at what's going on in there or help to think about what this means and to understand this sort of these stories as a whole as we've been looking at them, it's helpful to see that if we're Christians, we're actually supposed to see the life of Jesus as the ideal um, pattern for our life and for all human life. Um, because Jesus is the one who lived as human beings should. That's um, one reason why he came. Uh, if you've been a Christian for a little while, you might have got used to thinking of Jesus in terms of what he did as someone who was the son of God, who was a divine um, person. So he was the son of God, sent by God the Father to die for us uh, and to bring us back into relationship with God through that. And of course that's true, isn't it? Um, but if we just focus on that side of things, on Jesus' life, we can, it can mean then that we ignore the whole life of Jesus up until the point when he went to the cross uh, as being not very necessary or important for us to understand. Uh, but it actually is. And one of the things that we learn when we look at the early years of Jesus, um, it reminds us that Jesus was actually a human being and that's important for us and for our um, salvation and for us as Christians. And it's actually just as important as the fact that he was um, the divine son of God. So when you read the Gospels and you read a story like this, um, it's helpful to remember that everything that Jesus did as a human being is actually helpful for us for understanding our own relationship to God and how we should live. So and not just when Jesus is teaching people things, but just when he is living and when he is moving through the journey of his life. It teaches us about what it means to follow God. So Jesus is the pattern for our lives as Christians and the pattern for human life. Uh, and that's why we have these stories about him in the Gospels. And so what, and what Jesus is saying to Mary when she finds him in the temple is that she should understand what's happening to him and that it is natural for him as he grows up 
to seek out a deeper knowledge and closeness to God the Father. That's why he says, didn't you know this was where I would be? Why did you find this to be, stru- to be strange? And so he's saying, this isn't the story about a lost child. This is a story about Jesus moving into the next stage of his life, which is what we should expect. Um, it was natural for Jesus as he grew up, as he moved into adult, adult life, to start to take seriously the need to understand who God is. Who is God the Father? What is, what is his will for my life? and to seek that out. Um, and you know, Jesus isn't being a rebellious teenager here running away. Um, it says he goes home and he's very obedient to his parents. Um, but you know, he doesn't actually apologise to them uh, for leaving them for three days because he says you should understand that this is the time for me to be doing this. This is not something, um, this is something to do with me and God the Father. He's not really a child anymore and he, he's leaving his earthly parents to move towards God the Father and his will for his life. And so I think as we read this story, we should hear that this is not something just, that's just true for Jesus. It's true for all of us if we follow his pattern of life. And so Jesus is showing um, the natural progression uh, of, and development that we should have as we, go, as we grow up and go through life. Um, you know, all of us grow naturally. We have certain progression of the way things go. So you grow up physically. Uh, we have our emotional, intellectual and spiritual development And Jesus is showing us that all of these things are actually something that God has designed to grow together at the same time. Um, So as we move into a new stage of life, as Jesus did, it's a new stage of knowing God as well and understanding him more deeply. And we use them as a context of growing further in the knowledge of God. So the problem that we often have, though, um, in our own lives is that our spiritual development, our knowledge of God, doesn't actually keep pace in our lives with the rest of our growth as we get older. So it's, our physical growth is automatic. It happens as you get older, um, whether or not you want it to. Uh, but spiritual growth is not automatic. It's part of our life that actually requires intention um, and learning more about God and developing a personal knowledge and relationship with God the Father is something that takes our own effort. It is an ongoing process. It's like growing in your knowledge of how to work, at work in your job or, or your ability to relate to other people emotionally. It's something that you need to learn. And so if we don't take that time, if we don't learn about God, we can get stuck at a very early stage of our spiritual growth and knowledge. And it's possible to remain with regards to our knowledge of God as though we were a spiritual baby or a spiritual child. And it's very possible and very common, I've found, for people to remain at that stage of being a spiritual infant for their entire lives. Um, and that looks like, um, I'll just describe, to describe to you what that might look like because there are a couple of ways that we can tell if this is happening to us. Um, because if we, I think if we look at uh, babies, small children, they're just a certain attitude to life that they have. And um, the most distinctive thing about a, an infant is that they are basically focused on their own desires and what's happening to them and what they need and want at that particular time. Um, they don't deal with big issues. They don't deal with wider matters. They deal with what I want right now and what makes me feel good. And that's, that's a normal thing for a baby to do Um, because that's the stage they're at. They're focused on themselves. Um, One of the difficult things with being a parent at Christmas time is that it's helping our children not just to be focused on the presents that they're being given, which are really exciting, but also thinking about what is the meaning of this, what's the relationship, why are we doing this whole thing. 
Um, and to understand the meaning of the gifts. And it's not that it's not that you're bad if you're a child for focused on the presence. That's a natural stage of life. But this is not a natural stage that a child stays at forever. And it's the same um, in the spiritual life. And if we see people who are spiritual infants, I think we can see the same kind of dynamic at work. So um, to be a spiritual child is to tend to look like, um, is to have a preoccupation with the gifts that God has given us the things that make us feel good or the things that we enjoy, all the wonderful things in the world, things like our possessions, the exciting experiences that we can have, the work that we can do, uh, the relationships that we can have, the beauty and art and entertainment around us, all those wonderful things that God's made and focusing on them to the exclusion of any, any thought for the one who has given us these gifts and what he might be like. And I think that's, um, that's, a, that's a stage that we can get stuck at. Um, and I think it's a natural thing, but most, most people, um, studies suggest that most people have a kind of natural inborn belief in God. And I find this when I talk to people, that most people, whether or not you go to church or you have much religious belief, just have a general sense there's something out there in the world, someone who's behind perhaps the beautiful things in the world, that someone's watching over us. Um, it's a sort of basic human experience and it's behind the kind of impulse that people have to seek God. Um, when the Apostle Paul was, in, was on a missionary visit to Athens, um, he pointed out to them that they, they had a sort of religious searching had led them to build a statue to what he called, or what they called the unknown God. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 17. And so I think what Paul is pointing out and I think what we can see is that the unknown God is basically the sort of basic human experience. It's, a spirit, it's the experience of God that a child or, or a baby has. There's someone out there who's given me things. I don't know, I don't know what they are, what's going on. Uh, I've got my own interests, my own concerns. Maybe there's someone out there, but I don't know uh, who it is. And what Paul said to the Athenians, and he's saying to us, is that actually there comes a time, though, when we, we need to learn about this unknown God who has given us all these things that we, that, that we need, that we want, that we enjoy. Um, who's given them to us and who is he and to take the next step. And so if we see Jesus coming to the temple, what we see is him actually doing that. He's coming to take this next step in his development to learn about God the Father, to make him known. So to move away from childhood towards a mature and adult knowledge of God the Father. That's a step he's taking. And that's actually a difficult step to take because like other parts of life, this is something that's hard. Growing up, it takes initiative, it takes courage, it takes um, uh, effort. And so Jesus is actually taking a step that can be hard. And I find that, I think if, if, we, are, if we are taking this step, we're actually very lucky if we have people around us who are able to help us, as Jesus did. Um, so Jesus lived in a society where people would really encourage him to get to know God. Um, all young people were encouraged to know about God and to learn more about him. You know, Jesus' parents and his family were devoted to God and there were lots of elders and teachers around him who could tell him more about the Bible and talk to him about it. Um, and the whole culture was designed to put the worship of God at the centre of their community. And I've got to say, when I think about Jesus and his childhood and the, the situation and culture he was in, as a Christian minister in contemporary Australia, um, it seems to me that that's almost an unimaginable luxury <laughs> Uh, for people to be in that kind of spiritual environment um, because that's not the way we live um, in our society, unfortunately. Um, in, our, in our White Space Christmas series that we did before um, Christmas in December last year, we were thinking about how is it that our culture 
does spiritual things like celebrating the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And it's, it's not quite as spiritual as it might be, <laughs> I think was what we were thinking about. It seems to me, actually, that when it comes to spiritual things, our culture, for better or worse, is specifically and intentionally designed to keep us as uh, remaining spiritual children. Um, that actually that the desired state for our culture is for someone not to know God very well. And the reason is because when people become spiritually mature, they tend to buy less things. <laughs> um, they tend to buy less things because they become more interested in the meaning of life and, what, and the plan that God has for them um, and to move on to that deeper understanding of the things that God's made. And if all of us did that, if we stopped buying things, it would be quite bad for our economy. So we're encouraged um, perhaps not to grow up and to know God better. And the result is, you know, I think in our, in our society, our culture, if you want to grow, if you want to know God better, you're going to be going against the natural flow um, that we're encouraged to live. Um, and if we don't go against it, and, and most people don't, that's the reality, the result is that spiritual childhood is the natural state um, that, we, that we will sit at. And that's a real problem. Uh, because Jesus is showing us the way we should be, to know God. And if we remain in this sort of arrested development for our whole, as we grow up, things get worse and worse, I think, for us. There's more tension in our spiritual lives. You know, so Jesus grew out of his spiritual infancy when he was a teenager, when he was 12, or maybe even before, and he was ready for the next stage. You know, I mean, I'm not the son of God, so it might take me a bit longer to move out and to get to know God better. But what happens if we never do that? What happens if we never seek to know the unknown God uh, throughout our lives? Then our whole lives then will be spiritual infants and um, never moving on. So we'll be spiritual infants when we finish high school and when we leave home, go and um, get the vote. We'll be spiritual infants when we enter the workforce, when we start our serious relationships. We'll be spiritual infants when we buy a house or when we have children of our own. Um, we'll be spiritual infants when we get to the midlife questions and start to face those. Um, and we'll be spiritual infants when our own children perhaps come and ask us about God and who he is and what, is, what he's like. Um, we'll be spiritual infants when we become leaders in our industries, when we become leaders in the church, or when we become leaders in government. Um, we'll still be spiritual infants when we retire and become grandparents and have all those responsibilities. And we'll be spiritual infants when perhaps we get ill or weak and are preparing to die. And that's not a hypothetical situation. It happens all the time. I think if you want to see what the world looks like when it's run by spiritual babies, just turn on the news. It's not, not a hypothetical. Actually, for so many of us, we never move on to know God and his purpose for our lives um, beyond what he's given us. So the result is a world of selfishness. People don't, we don't know God. And... Jesus is showing us that this is not the way things should be. It's actually called, we're actually called to move away from a self-centred spirituality towards knowing God and, and what his plans for us and giving to others and helping them to know God as well and even accepting suffering and the difficulties that come along with knowing God and doing what's right. So Jesus here is coming to the temple to learn about God, his Father, and his plans for his life and he was probably starting to realise that those plans would involve his suffering and his death. Um, and this is him, he, was, he, was, he needed to learn that. And as a young man, he would have come to understood what his destiny would be. And so he's learning that suffering is part of the natural part of spiritual growth and it's something that God is calling us all as we follow Jesus, to know God and what he has us to do. 
And so we can see here in the early years of Jesus that even at age 12, Jesus is setting him on the path of knowing his father and the path that was leading to our salvation and to help us really know God the Father as well. And so I think the challenge that this story of Jesus today shows us then is that the way God has made us is for our whole life at every stage to be a kind of unfolding, growing personal knowledge of who God is. Um, everything we do is to be brought into our relationship with God and a developing personal relationship of who he is. Uh, And even the longest life that we have is not really long enough, more than just getting started on that. So it's important to start um, as early as we can, as Jesus did. So, And what we see in Jesus is the way that it's supposed to be, this boy setting out on the path to know God the Father and to know his will for his life. As Jesus said to Mary, it was natural for him, as he was looking about to become an adult, to come to the house of his father and to learn about him. So Jesus is showing here the natural path of a human life and the way and a model for us um, that we seek to know God for ourselves and to understand his will for our lives and to live that out. To grow up and leave behind a simple childlike understanding of who God is and to know him as he really is for ourselves, that we know God the Father personally and the kind of life that he's made us for. So to to follow Jesus means for us to break out of the comfort and the ease of unconscious spiritual understanding, spiritual childhood and and grow out of it, and to take our responsibility for our grown-up faith, for ourselves. So I think... As we read this story of Jesus, this is a challenge for us um, to think about where are are we at with this? Um, How well do we know God in a personal way? Are we even seeking that kind of knowledge? Um, Or have we gotten stuck um, in a a spiritual childhood? So Jesus took that step when he was 12. Um, But it's not about the the age. It's about whether or not we're willing to take that step and to follow him um, to know God the Father. Uh, that he's revealed to us. And so Jesus is the one who can show us how to get started on the journey of knowing God that we're, that's supposed to be the goal of our life. So I'd like to pray for us because we're thinking about that today, um, that we would um, be challenged to follow him today. Lord, I thank you that you have revealed to us uh, in your son Jesus the way uh, to seek you and the path of a human life in relationship to you. We know all of us have failed in various ways and times um, to seek you as, we, as you're calling us to and we pray you would in- encourage and inspire us and heal us, uh, lead us on this journey of deeper knowledge of your presence and will for our lives and we pray that in this church we would encourage each other and, and guide each other on the way as we come to know uh, the, the Father that Jesus has revealed to, to us and we pray in his name. Amen.